Man. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break. His broken hearts declare his praise. But who can stop the Lord Almighty? And our God is light, the light of Judah. He's roaring in power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. And our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chain. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Every knee will bow before him. Open up, open up the gates, make way before the king of. to save, is here to set the captives free, who can stop the Lord Almighty, our God is alive, the light of Judah, he's roaring in power, and fighting our battles, every day will bow before him, our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was saved. For the sins of the world, his blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Every knee will bow before him. this morning. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of James. James chapter 1. We'll begin there in just a moment. Now, I know you you look at that and you go, wait a second. I thought we were doing a series on family. So did I. (laughs) Every now and then, God has a way of changing some things. And actually, when I started that series on family, I thought that we were going to probably go five weeks. And last week, when I finished the fourth week, um, I went home, and it was like the Lord said, you're done. And I'm like, whoa, what do you mean I'm done? I you know, define that. And it was, uh, he, I just felt like the Lord was redirecting. And then this last week, um, I, I've, I've had some, uh, some questions about this, and then the Lord began to lay upon my heart uh, uh, some thoughts about this subject. And so I want to deal with the subject of temptation. In fact, what, what I want to do is, is talk about how, how do we have victory over temptation now, listen to me this morning when I, when I say this. I, I need you to understand something right out of the gate. This is a winnable war. How many know that? Amen. Look, look at I want to tell you what Jesus did for us is so complete and so right and so perfect that if we'll just enter into it, if we will just find our place in it, let me tell you something. You can overcome anything. Yes. Okay, yes. see that back there on the back wall? With God, all things are possible. That is so true. Amen. Amen. And so... I know today that there are a lot of people, and this is part of the reason why I felt like I needed 
to, to do this. There's a lot of people that struggle. And so every now and again in a church, what you have to do is you have to, you have to come with a message that is kind of one of those nuts and bolts type messages, you know, and it's like, you know, this is, this is about kind of meeting the, the, the rubber meeting where the road is, you know, to where we understand how to walk this out. Because once again, let me tell you something, you are victorious. Say that to your neighbor, I'm victorious. We, we all are, we're victorious, and, and that's, that's what God has for us. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 1, uh, starting in verse number 12, and hopefully this clicker is going to work. Oh, look at there, it did. It says this, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now, let me say right off the bat, this portion of Scripture, this passage, really in a nutshell gives us the strategy, it gives us understanding about temptation, it tells us what it's all about, but it also gives us some real instruction in the overcoming of temptation, that we can walk in victory. So I want you to pay attention, that's what we're going to do, is we're going to walk through this. Now, I found a story, I'm not sure if it's a true story or not, but I want you to listen to this. The story goes like this. There was an old preacher, old country preacher. One day he finds a receipt for $250 dress. And he's mad because he knows his wife went out and bought this $250 dress. And so he confronts his wife. He says, what did you do? And she goes, I know, I know. He goes, we don't have the money for that. We just don't make that kind of money to buy a $250 dress. And she goes, I know, I know. I know I messed up. She goes, but, you know, I just, it just couldn't, I just couldn't help it. He goes, why? He goes, I was at the store. She says, I'm there at the store. I'm looking at the dress. And the next thing you know, I'm trying it on. And she goes, and it was just like the devil. He comes up and he says, man, you look good in that dress. You need to buy it. And the pastor goes, well, you know how to deal with the devil. You just tell him, get behind me, Satan. She goes, I did. I told him, get behind me, Satan, and he did. He got behind me and says, it looks good from back here, too. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's a true story, but it is the way it works, brother, and I'm telling you. Billy Sunday said this. He goes, temptation is the devil looking through the keyhole, yielding to temptation, is opening the door and inviting him in. Amen. All of us this morning deal with temptation. No matter where you come from or how long you've been saved, temptation is a real part of the battle that we face. You have to understand that going in. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. We are always, see, here's the thing that I think that really complicates matters is because we are always finding new ways to justify our departure 
from this amazing power of God's grace in our life. Now, I know you might sit back and you say, well, that's not me, Pastor. I, I, I'm all in. But you know what? Sometimes what happens in life is we get ourselves caught into a, a cycle and we try to justify it. And the sad truth is that we have just gotten sloppy when it comes to dealing with temptation. And you know, you know how you can tell when we're, when we're um, uh, sloppy with temptation is we begin to use excuses. Things like, uh, the devil made me do it. You remember, I, some, probably most of you will remember Flip Wilson. Does everybody remember Flip Wilson? He had a character, you know, Geraldine. And the devil made me do it. You know, why did you do that? The devil made And it's real convenient to go, you know, blame the devil. You know, he made me do it. Or we, you know, I just can't help myself. Or I just got to be me. You know, I, I just, I just got to be me. I, that's who I am. Like it or don't. If you don't like it, then there's the door. And we start using excuses to justify why we're walking in a way that's really not godly. Really, to, to really make it accurate, we start walking in a way that's not who we are as the children of God, as sons and daughters of the Most High. We start walking in a way that's beyond our identity in Christ. Somewhere what we have to remember is who we are in Christ. See, when you remember who you are in Christ, that really is, a, is an awesome weapon to stand against what the devil's throwing at you. See, because when I remember, look at, I am right now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? I'm the bride of Christ. I'm the body of Christ. I am the head and not the tail. I'm the above and not the beneath. You know what? I am the lender, not the borrower. I am blessed. Can you say amen? When I start identifying who I am, then you know what? I don't want to go for that stuff. I, I don't want that. I, that don't mean nothing to me because that's far below who I am in Christ. Can you say amen? Well, whatever excuse we may use to justify our falling to temptation, it really is really our inability or our unwillingness to deal with the issue of temptation. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to spend some time learning how to have victory over temptation. Now, we want to begin by understanding some facts about temptation. I think, I think if you're going to master something, it helps us to understand it. Okay, it, it really does help us to understand what's going on. So the first thing that we need to understand about temptation is temptation is inevitable and it is universal. It always amazes me how many people feel that they are the only ones being tempted. It always amazes me. It's a subtle lie that is bent on keeping us hiding in the shadows of denial. Now, I want you to think about this with me for a moment. Because hell knows this morning, hell knows that you are more vulnerable and more likely to fall for temptation when you feel alone. See, that's what we do. We become convinced this morning that no one can understand. No one understands my brand of temptation. This is a war that kind of goes on with me and Kathy all the time. I'll put it in terms 
that you may understand is we always battle who's in more pain. You know, it's, well, my back is hurting. Well, no, my back is hurting. And I always say, it's always funny how every time I want a back rub, your back is hurting. If you knew how much my back hurt, you would just rub my back. And then I say something like this. Here's the idiocy of every man. I'm the poster child for that. Is I'll say something really stupid to my wife like this. You can't even understand the pain I'm in. Now, this is a woman. You need to understand. This is a woman. Our third child, Amy, was nine pounds when she was born. And Kathy had a midwife at home. We... When Amy was born, we were in revival. And Kathy played her saxophone on stage in labor. When was Amy born? Probably about 10.30, 11 o'clock. So about 7.30, you were playing your saxophone. 7.30, three hours earlier, Kathy is on stage playing saxophone. She's wailing like Kenny G in labor. But yet I have the gall, the nerve to look at her and go, you don't understand pain. I remember when, I'm, 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 okay, she don't care. I, I remember, <laughs> I, sometimes I got to go, wait, this could cost you when you get home. <laughs> you're going to learn, you're going to learn pain when you get home, buddy. It's, it's just, you're, you ain't going to like it when you go home. But I, I remember when she was having Amy, there came a point. When Amy, you know, here I am, I'm freaked out. I'm in the corner, you know. And the midwife, Becky uh, Whitinger, she's there. She's a friend of ours. And Becky is doing whatever midwives do. And I'm hiding. And, and I remember Amy's being born. And there came a point where there was like this pause. And Amy was kind of like halfway born, halfway not. And, and Kathy goes, okay, I quit. It's like, What? <laughs> You can't quit. Don't stop now. It's not like you can return this to the store for a full refund. <coughs> but see, that's the thing, don't we? We, we just we convince ourselves that we're alone in the boat. We, we go, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows the kind of temptation that I face. Or what we do to hide in denial is we get so embarrassed and so ashamed. How could I ever have thoughts like that? How could I be tempted with something like that? How can I call myself a Christian and be tempted like that? So what we do is we end up hiding in a lie, not understanding that temptation is both inevitable and universal. And so we say things like this, I and I alone are being tempted. When the truth is, Everyone in this room was tempted today. So far, we've, you know, we've been up, you know, if you got up at 6 this morning, you ain't even 6 hours in, and I guarantee you, you've already been tempted. It's going to happen. Notice what James says in, the, in, in, in verse 13. He says, let no one say, or I'm sorry, he goes, where, where is it at? Let me, let me look at my notes. When tempted... He says, when tempted, James didn't say if. He says, when you are tempted, it's coming. Mark it down. If you're taking notes, and I know all of you are, and those of you that are watching on the Internet, I know you're taking notes. When tempted, 
Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 2 tells us this. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. What is that telling us? Temptation is universal. It's inevitable. It would be wonderful this morning if we could live in a life without facing temptations. But the, the simple fact is we cannot. We cannot. As long as we live in this flesh and in this world, we will face temptation. And I'll tell you why. Look at Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh, flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. In other words, there is an inherent battle that's in our life. This old man called the flesh, this old life that we have been delivered from, that we have been set free, this, this body of the flesh that has been crucified with Christ, that is dead, wants to resurrect. And every now and then he wants to come up and he fights us and we have a choice. Will we live by the flesh or we live by the spirit? And this is where the devil hides out. So temptation is really to draw you back into that old life. To walk like that. Even though you've been set free, even though that you are right with God, even though that sin has been forgiven... What the devil's job and what his goal is, is to draw you away from your identity into what you used to be by engaging your old nature. A mother told her son, says, Billy, I don't want you to go swimming. I don't want you to do it. But when he came back into the house, his mother noticed that his hair and bathing suit were wet. So, Billy... I told you I didn't want you to go swimming. I said, Mama, I, I, I just couldn't help it. The water looks so good. Well, son, why did, you, why did you take your bathing suit? He goes, in case I was tempted. That's so human nature, isn't it? You know, one of the reasons that we fall for temptation is because we prepare for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to stop, brother. I'm going. I'm carrying on. Amen. See, the problem is, is when you allow for or set yourself up for. Look at, for instance, if I'm going to go on a diet, you say you should. Well, yeah, I, I've been dieting, but if I go. I'm going to hide some Snickers bars in my dresser drawer just in case. Do you understand your had? You are done. It's over. It's a matter of time. Two o'clock in the morning, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, I'm waking up. I'm going to set my alarm to eat that Snickers bar. <coughs> I have been on a diet, and my wife is an enabler. See, no, she's not. She went, to, she went to Walgreens last night to get some medicine, some, um, some I don't know, Alteril or something. No, she asked me about the Girl Scout. She called me and said, do you want Girl Scout cookies? Of course I want them. Don't ask me about that. 
They came to our door. She, she actually told this little tiny girl, this little itty bitty girl, she goes, no, we can't buy my husband's on a diet. So she gave her money anyway. She says, I'll donate to the Girl Scouts. She felt so guilty because we weren't buying. Because normally, you know, we, we buy like a truckload. But anyway, <laughs> she goes to Walgreens and she comes back. And I said, you get the medicine? She goes, yeah. And I said, <laughs> so I says on the way home, I said, I kind of got a sweet tooth. And I said, maybe, maybe we need to go to Baskin Robbins and just get one little scoop of ice cream. And so she goes, she does that. She kind of huffs and. I went, what? She goes, I bought Snickers bars. <laughs> I said, how can we, how are we going to stay on this diet, man? Come on. I said, did you, I said, did you buy you one? She goes, oh, yeah. I said, did you buy Amy one? No, she already had ice cream. <laughs> Crazy. There was a four-year-old little girl that her mother was in the kitchen and says, look, it, I don't want you eating no cookies. When she came back into the kitchen, she saw her four-year-old daughter standing on a chair eating cookies. She says, I told you not to do that. I told you not to eat the cookies. She goes, Mom, it's not my fault. I just climbed up to smell them, and my tooth got caught. Come on. It's true. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. Listen, temptation is inevitable. It's universal. Mark it down. You're going to get tempted. The second thing we need to understand about temptation is temptation is never directed by God. In our text, the Bible says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Listen, God will use a lot of things. God uses the circumstances of life, but God does not set you up. I, you know what, there's a lot of times people go, oh, he's testing me. No, you may be going through a test, and God may be checking you out in it, but let me tell you, he is not the author of it. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The question is, would anybody really blame God? <laughs> a resounding yes. We blame God. Oftentimes we say, you know what, this is really God doing this. And there is some sort of justification in it. If it's God doing this, well, then after all, I'm just doing the will of God, right? Come on. Look at all the way back to the original temptation. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, it says, Then the man said, The woman who you gave me, gave to be with me, She gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman says, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Do you notice something happening in this verse of Scripture? They're learning how to pass the buck. Here's God. He comes back in Genesis 3. They have sinned. The devil has tempted them. They have fallen for it. They've eaten of the tree in the center of the garden. Now they're hiding because they've realized they're naked. 
and they're ashamed. And God comes on the scene and he's calling out, Adam, Adam, where are you? And finally Adam raises his hand and says, I'm back here behind this bush. And he says, what are you doing back there? He goes, I'm hiding because I'm naked. And God said, who told you you're naked? And he says, well, we we ate of that tree that you said not to. And then God says, Adam, what did you do? And God says, or Adam says, it's not my fault. It's that woman you gave me. You're the one messing with everything, God. It was fine. Hey, I was all by myself, and I was naming the animals. I'm cruising around. I'm doing good, but you're the one that said it wasn't good that man be alone. And you started fiddling around, and you took that rib, and you formed this woman, and now that woman you gave me. You notice the blame? And and then God, now I I want you to notice something. Do you notice the tenor of change? So then God comes to the woman and says, what is this you have done? He's a lot more gentle. But immediately she does the same thing. Or It's the snake. The snake's going, I didn't do nothing, man. We blame. We blame. Why would we ever blame God? Because it's easy. Too often God becomes a convenient fall guy. And there's an epidemic in our society of people failing to take responsibility for their actions. We even go so far as to spiritualize this by saying God is teaching me something. Like I said, there's no doubt we'll learn through these circumstances, but that is not how God puts you through school. Look at there's a there's a verse in the Bible in Titus. It says it's the grace of God that teaches me to say no. To this world. God's not going to set you up. Are you hearing me? The bottom line is. When we fail to deal with the temptation. And stumble. It's just too easy. To blame blame God. Because who's going to correct it? Because we say things like. You know what? If God didn't want me to sin. He'd have taken that away. If God didn't want me to get drunk, he'd have taken that whiskey away. If God didn't want me to get high, he wouldn't have let me. He would, he would have taken that dope away. If God didn't want me to look at porn, he would have made my computer broke. Come on now. The third thing is temptation has a root. In our text, the Bible says this. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. In the New Living Translation, the Bible reads it this way. It says, temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. Think back with me again to the original temptation. In Genesis 3, 6, the Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, And that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate it, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. He did eat. What's happening there? They're paying attention. What's happening is they're standing around considering. Look at the devil doesn't do drive-bys. You are not, look at, let me see if I can, let me see if I can help you with this. Okay. Years ago, years ago in Jacob's Ladder, when I was doing Jacob's Ladder, gosh, this was back probably almost 20 years ago now, 
I had a guy in Jacob's Ladder, and he, he came in, and he says, um, he says, man, Pastor, I blew it last night. I said, you did? He goes, yeah. He says, uh, he says, I went out and got drunk last night. I said, you did? I said, what happened? He goes, well, I, man, it's the funniest thing. <coughs> he says, I was in Bullhead. I, was, I had done a job down in Bullhead. It was all day. He says, it, I was tired. It was hot. I was driving home. And he said, before you know it, I'm sitting at a bar. I'm drunk. I said, what? <laughs> That's amazing. He said, what do you mean? I said, you're driving, and then you were translated out of your truck into a bar, and you're intoxicated. No, no, no. Okay, well, what happened? Well, I'm driving down the road, and I, w- I, w- I, was, I was thirsty, and I, I thought, well, you know, and then next thing you know, I got a beer in my hand. What? And I went on. I won't belabor the point with you. Well, what is happening? I had to walk him through to where he was making, he's driving, he acknowledges he's thirsty, he looks at a bar, he understands there's something in there he can drink. He went in for a Coke. Yeah, you go to a bar, that's where I go to get Pepsi. And so finally what I begin to do is I showed him, look at what you did is you paid attention to it. See, when you pay attention to it, you create a passion for it. That's good word. That is good word. One man said, the longer you look at temptation, the more liable you are to fall for it. The bottom line is we're only tempted with what we already desire. Number four, temptation has a process to it. Now, admittedly, this process can happen in a nanosecond. Or it can take days, weeks, months, years. But nonetheless, there is a process that's at work. It begins with desire. We know that. We just talked about that, that desire. Generally, the things that we desire have been things we've paid attention to that have our attention. Amen. Then, temptation leads to deception. Listen to what I'm saying. James tells us that because of our desires... We are dragged away and we are enticed. This word enticed, it's a fishing term that means to lure by bait. Are you hearing me? And there's a pers- there is a purpose for bait. Bait, first off, is a deception. Think about it for a moment. We used to, when I lived in Michigan, we used to go fishing all the time. And we use we went what we what we'd go for is perch fishing. Perch grow about that big, and man, they can. If you get about three hundred of them, you can have a killer fish fry. Right. And it's it's great. We we used to do it. And when we'd go fishing for them, we we bought minnows. Right. And you would hook that minnow and you'd put it in there. But see, what minnows represented was the idea of food. It's a deception. But see. It has two purposes. One is to lure the fish, but probably the most insidious one is to hide the hook. (laughs) Thanks, Shannon. I appreciate it. That is why you are the president of my fan club. I actually thought that when I was writing. I wrote that down. That's deep, right? 
I'm just teasing. <laughs> See, the reason that the devil lures us is because not only is he trying to entice us, he's hiding a hook. Why? Because there are consequences. There are consequences. We just don't understand it. Look, let me show you this scripture. This, this, this is an amazing scripture. In, um, yeah, can you go to the next scripture back there? Ecclesiastes 8.11. Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, oftentimes we do stuff and nothing happens. It's like, I must be the exception to the rule. I got away with it. But let me tell you something. The devil will let you lull yourself into believing that it's okay. When in fact, you're getting hooked all along the whole time. There's a hook. See, I think about it. I, I, I used to love Pastor Pennington's way of describing this. He said, every time you sinned or fell for temptation, if a finger fell off, <laughs> I need to stop here pretty quick. I need this pointer finger. These pinchers are pretty important. You know, it's like, I, I, I got to have that. If a finger fell off, every time you had a wrong thought, you'd control them thoughts, wouldn't you? It's like, I ain't putting that in. Last time I did that, my pinky disappeared. But it doesn't. What happens is time goes by. You know, I, I remember, now, most of you know my testimony. You know that my, 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 um, my confrontation with the police department was me throwing a rock at a stop sign. I ran from the cops, man. I threw that rock, and there was a cop right there, and I took off. I jumped over some fences and hid out. You know, that was my life of crime. I was in sixth grade. I just haven't had a lot, a lot of, a lot of uh, experience in, in hiding out. But I remember one time I was in a place. This, it was called, I don't know, this might only, you might, people from back east, it was called Kresge's. Anybody remember that? It was, a, it was a dime store. Do you remember dime store? Now we have dollar stores. Back in my day, we had dime stores. Anyway, it's inflation. Anyway. <laughs> I was in there, and uh, my mom was buying some material or something. And I was in looking at the toy guns with the caps. Remember the little red caps? Man, I wanted that bad. I already had a gun. I wanted the caps. And I knew mom wasn't going to go for it because she didn't really care about caps. So I thought, I'm going to put these in my pocket. Ain't nobody going to know. And I did. And I got home. And I shot every one of them caps. And nobody knew. I thought, mm-hmm. I got away with it. I'm the ex- I am a cat burglar. I am stealthy. Nobody knows. And you know what? Quite honestly, I thought to myself, God understands how much I need it. So he made a way. That's probably me ad-libbing now because I probably didn't think that then. But you know what? That's what we do think. We think, well, I can get away with it. But let me tell you something, church. Consequences are hidden in the temptation. That's part of the bait. And it's there for a reason because it wants to hook you. 
And we have to understand that. Are you catching what I'm saying this morning? There is a deception. There's a story. I'll read this to you. I thought this was interesting. According to a radio report, uh, in a, a middle school in Oregon faced a unique problem. A number of girls began to use lipstick, and they were putting it on in the bathroom. And after they would put on their lipstick, they would press their little lips to the mirror, leaving dozens of little red lip prints. Finally, the principal decided something had to be done, so she called the girls into the bathroom and met them there with the custodian. She explained that lip prints cause a major problem for the custodian who had to clean the mirrors every day. And to demonstrate how difficult it was for the custodian to get the mirrors clean, he asked him to demonstrate. So he took out a long-handled brush and he dipped it into the toilet and began to scrub the mirror. Since that day, there have been no more lip prints on the mirror. The moral of that story is when tempted to sin, if you could only see the real filth you would be kissing, you would not be attracted to it. The consequences of sin are real, but too often we're blinded by the strength of our desire. If we saw it clearly, we would probably make a different choice. The process goes on. Temptation results in disobedience. Our text says that when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. The natural inevitable outcome of unchecked temptation is sin. If you leave temptation unchecked, if you don't resist it, you will sin. And it is not to be toyed with. You know, a lot of people toy with sin. They play around with it in their mind. They they, they think about it, they consider it, they play around with it, and they play around with it until they're had. And what you've got to understand is temptation has an objective. Because temptation is pregnant with potential to destroy And that takes us to the end goal of the process. Our text says, and when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. And it's interesting to note that the word death in this verse of scripture in the Greek, it literally means that which destroys life. So what is God saying? He's saying, look, when you go for it, when you you fail to resist that temptation, you will sin and that will bring about a destruction of life in you. Why? Well, because the devil has the goal to take you back to what you were, to convince you that you're not who God said you are. Why? Because at least, at the very least, he wants to limit your ability to go forward. Are you hearing me? I love this. I love what God says in Galatians 6 and 7, uh, 6, 7 and 8. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. A lot of people take that as a threat. That is not a threat from God. That is a loving Father warning us. It's saying this is how life works. 
He says, there's a thing called flesh. That's your old nature. That's that old man. That's that thing that's been crucified with Christ and is dead. He says, if you sow to that thing, it will reap corruption. That word corruption literally means decay. Decay and rot as a a body decays. So in other words, he says, as you sow to the flesh, the outcome is, if you're going for the temptation, is you're little by little, here and there, and a little here, a little there, you are eating away at this goodness and this identity and this greatness that God has for you. He says, but if you sow... To the Spirit, you will reap life everlasting. We must understand this morning that there is a very real process at work. Temptation begins with desire. It leads to deception. It results in sin and ends in death. Now, this morning, if we're going to go on in this, and I want you to pay attention because I'm not going to take a whole lot more time, so we're going to go through this quickly. We must understand we're in a war. It's a very real battle against flesh and blood. Or I'm sorry, a real battle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces in dark places. Okay? Truth is, I'm 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 going to prove this to you here in just a second. Your battle is not even with your flesh and blood. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to take you somewhere. So anyone wanting to win the battle over temptation must understand the enemy and his tactic. The Bible says this, Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, he says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. That word devices literally means strategies and plans. We are not ignorant of his strategy. But it doesn't stop there. In order to win this battle, we're going to have to engage in the fight. See, one man put it this way, he said, temptation is not a sin, It is a call to battle. Okay? So listen to me. This is very important. Temptation is not sin. It's a call to battle. It can lead to sin, but it is not a sin. So how do we overcome this? How are we going to have victory in this temptation? First and foremost, we have to resolve who is in control. We need to settle the matter of our allegiance. Who is our master? In, first, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, Daniel says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. In other words, he came to a decision that said, look it, there's a lot of things I can do, and they aren't necessarily all wrong, but not all of them edify me, not all of them work for me, not all of them have God as my goal, so I am going to live my life in light of God. I'm not going to get defiled. Jesus put it this way. He says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. You'll either reject one, hate the other. He says, you're not going to be able to do it. James puts it this way. He says, you can't be double-minded. If you're double-minded, you'll be unstable in all your way. In other words, that double mind doesn't just mean indecision. It literally means one foot in and one foot out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want to show you something very powerful in Scripture. And this is where I'm talking about that even our battle is not necessarily with our flesh and blood, and I'll show you why. Because if you were to do a study, if you take some time, and, and I urge you to do this, but you have to do it slowly because if you're quick, about, if you just read through it, you may miss 
But if you study Romans chapter 5, 6, and 7, you'll find that Paul, as he's writing to the Roman people, he is describing to them a condition that exists in every Christian who has been saved, every, every Christian that has Jesus as the Lord of their life. And Paul starts out in, in chapter 5, and he begins to discuss this thing of grace. And he begins to discuss grace and how that works. And then as he moves into chapter 6, he, he moves into this place talking about you and I. We're, we have been born again and we've been saved and we've been baptized into Christ. And therefore baptized into his death and we've been baptized into his life. And if we have been baptized into his death, that means sin has died. We, as long as we are alive in Christ, are dead to sin. That's powerful. If you'll spend some time meditating on that. I, right now, I am, who am I? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 10 tell me that if I'm dead to if I'm dead in Christ, if I have died and been baptized in him, I've been baptized into his death, therefore I am dead to sin. Come on. And I'm alive in him. I have his nature. The life Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, the life that I now live, I live in Christ. And it is not I that live it, but Christ that lives through me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's powerful to understand, especially in the fight. So where does this desire all that come from? It's a lie from the pit of hell. It's the devil taking a mirror and saying, look at it. Take a look. And it's a distorted view of what we used to be. So here's what the Bible says in Romans 6, starting in verse 11. He says, after all of that, he says, so you should consider yourself dead to sin. Consider, it's an accounting term, to evaluate, to give it the value to appraise. I'm dead to sin and alive, able to live for the glory of God through Christ Jesus. Then he says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to its lustful desires. Do not let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Instead, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life. And use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you are no longer subject to the law which enslaves you to sin. Instead, you are free by God's grace. So since God's grace has sent us free from the law, does this mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that whatever you choose to obey becomes your master? You can choose sin, which leads to death. Or you could choose to obey God and receive his approval. What is that saying? That, see, that, that, that's so rich. That's so pregnant with revelation. And what it's saying to us is I have an active choice in this battle. If I'm in Christ, I've been baptized in his death and I have been raised up with him. Therefore, I am no longer under the power of sin. I can make a choice and I can say, you know what? I am going to live for you, period. Yep. So what I have to do, what do I have to do? What's the point of all of that? The point of all of that is I have to decide who's in control. 
Amen. He says, don't let sin rule. Don't yield your members to unrighteousness, but yield yourself to God because you're no longer under the dominion of sin. The second thing that we have to do, so we've got to first, we've got to, we've got to decide who's in control. The second thing is we've got to resist temptation. We've got to fight the first impulse. This is a, probably the area where most Christians fail because most Christians, see, we're, really most of us are probably not dealing. Some of us may be, and, and from time to time all of us probably do. But most of us are not dealing with that overt stuff. We're, we're dealing with some of that covert stuff. It's like, are we going to be afraid and trust God? Or, or are we going to, this is where I struggle. See, if you were to bring a bottle of whiskey up here and set it on the thing, I'm not tempted. I'm not even moved by it. Right. Don't care. Never have, never will. 52 years of living and never drank it. So whiskey, you're, even if I went to a bar with you, I am not going to be like, oh, dear, I'm not going to be sweating. Why? Because it's not my thing. Okay. But, but all I need is, all I need is I need, like, there's probably 300 people in here right now. And if I said to, if you all 300, 299 came up to me and said, Pastor, smoking good sermon, I'd be happy. One of you comes up and went, eh. The rest of the day, I'm thinking about the one. <laughs> and they don't even go to church here. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I get sucked into that kind of thing. And so what I have to do is I have to, whether it's an overt thing or whether it's covert or under the cover, I have to make a decision to resist now. I can't toy with it. I can't play with it. What I got to do is say, no. You'll see me driving down the road every now and then. I'll be yelling in my truck, no. People think I'm weird. I don't care. Why? Because somewhere along the line, some thought has traveled through my head, and I had to tell it no. No, because if I give it any room, it's got a hook. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. you got to submit to God. you got to decide who is in control. He is in control. And now, through that power and that grace, I resist you. Now, James tells us something else in our text that we need to pay attention to. It's what I call spiritual birth control. Because James gives us a picture of childbirth here. Because James says, when temptation is conceived, it births or brings forth sin. And when sin grows up, it brings forth death. So what do we see? We see both the, 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 we see conception, we see birth, and we see growth and maturity. So we see that in some ways, there's parenthood going on. So there needs to be some spiritual birth control. Now, we know how regular birth control works. I won't go into any kind of description of that. I'll let you ponder that. But what we have to do is we have to stop the temptation from being conceived. That's the question. Where does temptation get conceived? It gets conceived in our will. Let me show you how this works. And I got to move on. And so I'm almost done, promise. 
Jason, you can even come up and start playing music so I know I'm done. <laughs> Here's how it works. When you're tempted, let's just say I'm tempted. Let's, let's just say I'm tempted to had a bad day. Let's just say I've had a really bad day. And I'm tempted to get drunk. It's like, you know what? I'm done. I can't take it. I'm, I'm through. I'm checking out, man. And so what I do, I'm sitting there, and the temptation comes to me. You need a drink. So what I do, if I don't resist that immediately, if I don't go, no, immediately, what I'll do is I'll do this. I'll go, hmm, well, I've been clean and sober for a year. One drink in one year is not bad. I used to drink every day, 50 of them a day. I'm down to one a year. Wow, that's improvement. And I'll actually pat myself on the back. And so I'll sit there for a little while and I'll admire my success. And then what I'll do is go, hmm, I need some donuts. How did that get in there? Well, see, at Safeway where they sell the donuts, you have to walk through the alcohol section to get to the donuts, especially the kind I want because they're right next to it. So I walk around Safeway, and then I think, oh, I'm going to be kind of proud about what I'm going to do. So I'm going to go through the, 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 the produce section all the way around. I'll go all the way around. I'm going to avoid the alcohol. But then I get there, and I think, man, I need something to wash this down with. And after all, I've, o- I've only considered drinking once. Mm. I could have milk. But you know what? And I remember how nice that smooth. I remember how it just made me feel. God certainly will understand. He won't be mad at me. You are had. You have just allowed temptation. Soon as you begin to formulate a plan to justify how you could get away with it, Sin is on its way. It's going to be born. Now, you can interrupt it. There's ways to stop it. You, could, you, can, you can repent and you can say, no, I'm not going to do it and walk out without your donuts or your whiskey. And say, you know what? I'm not going to do it. But most of the time what we do is we create a bunch of little sin babies. And what we've got to do is stop. We can't let temptation get conceived. Finally, as I close, and I, I'm, I just because of time, I'll just give you this next one. we got to rely on the Word of God. The devil came, and you know what, to Jesus, and, and, and Jesus defended. He said, it's written. we got to rely on the strength of God. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the strategies, the plans of the devil. You know what the armor of God is? Think about it. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, truth of belt, or the a belt of truth, and shield of faith, the, the, the sword of the spirit. They are all markers of our identity of who we are in Christ. Once again, leading me back to who I am, not what I was. And Father, we and finally we overcome in prayer. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41 says, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Part of the reason that we're being tempted and falling for is because we're just not praying. Are you catching what I'm saying this morning? I preach this to you today because, not because I want to rattle your cage. I, I, this is a nut and bolt type message. 
to remind us. Not because we're a bunch of evil people, because we're not. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're the body of Christ. We're children unto God. But there are some things here that are work. And if we just get off, and because there's a whole movement right now that just wants to avoid this kind of conversation. There's a whole movement that just wants to go, no, no, God just loves me. He does love me. And he has great and wonderful love and mercy. And he gave me these instructions because he loves me. And he showed me how to walk through victory. To stand in the power and the glory of his might. And say, you know what, I'm a child of God and I'm not going for it. But somewhere what we got to do is be able to recognize the potential. We can make choices. We have free will. And we just don't have to go for it. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me this morning? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for this great revelation. We thank you, God, that you are instructing us in righteousness. And Father, we love you. And we praise you. And we glorify you. And Father, we pray today that you would write these truths upon the table of our heart. Father, that we could walk in it. Lord, that we would apply it to our life. Lord, in those moments when we feel that temptation rising, Lord, that you would remind us of these tools that we have to be able to resist and to stand our ground. And Father, we're careful to give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe you got caught up in temptation and it pulled you to a point where you're disconnected in your relationship, but you want to be restored. You say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus. If that's you, would you lift your hand up? Would you lift it up all over this place? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Others, thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. Thank you. Others, would you pray this? In fact, all of us, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. I ask you to forgive me. Help me to live for you. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for